Welcome back in. One and all the Bill Michaels show. Hour number two. We continue on um, a surreal night last night, as we discussed in hour number one. Um, down in Cincinnati, coming up here at the bottom of the hour, Mo Egger from ESPN Radio. We've had Mo on numerous times on the program, and Mo was at the game last night. And uh, we'll get his uh, perspective on all of this and what happened with DeMar Hamlin last evening and everything surrounding that that emotion at Paul Brown Stadium last evening. We'll get all of that in the latest coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Uh, the Packers... Uh, they are efforting towards the postseason. They got a big game coming up uh, this weekend, obviously, with the, the Lions. That game, after everything we pontificated about yesterday, about meaningful games and not wanting to have a team play when they know what their fate is, uh, they uh, the NFL said, hell with it. The Packers draw ratings, and so we're going to put them in the primetime spot, and they're going to be the Sunday night football game. And to talk all about the rest of the NFL and ramifications, our buddy Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus, at PFF underscore Brad and OverTheCap.com, joining us on the hotline. And, uh, Brad, first of all, uh, I've been covering sports really since 1992. I've been playing it probably since the early 70s, mid-70s. I've never seen anything like that in my life last night. And uh, I just, before we move forward, I think I would be remiss if I didn't at least ask your thoughts. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. I can't recall anything in a football game of that magnitude. We did have a similar situation uh, with Christian Erickson, the, the soccer player who, who I think had a similar thing happen, had to be defibrillated on the field. But whenever that happens, I, you know, I think the coverage last night really covered it. But football goes away. That's the least of our concerns. And we're just hoping he's healthy and okay. Um, but, yeah, that, that was a surreal and, and scary moment last night, no question. Uh, I, I got to ask you right now about uh, the Green Bay Packers because uh, there are some people that say, hey, they beat Miami in Miami, but Tua seemed to have a concussion. They beat the, the, the Vikings, but they did it with special teams of defense, and their offense still isn't clicking on all cylinders. Uh, but then again, they've won what they've needed to win to get them themselves into this point. So how scary a team is this if they get past the Lions and find themselves in the postseason? You know, I think they're scary to a degree in part just because of how weak the NFC is. I don't think there's any team you look at and say, oh, they're bulletproof. They can't on any given Sunday in the playoffs. If one team shows up and the other doesn't, they can still win without their best effort. That team doesn't exist. I mean, Minnesota is not scary at all. Uh, and then the Eagles are a little scary, but a bunch of injuries piling up now. Dallas is a good team, has a couple flaws here and there. Um, but, yeah, you know, you mentioned the offense. They've been playing much better of late, top 10 in EPA per play since week eight. So, you know, back half of the season, they have been better. My concern for Green Bay, honestly, is more on the defensive side of the football. I know they've had a couple great games recently, but when it comes to playoff time and you're, you're in third-down situations or let's say you have a, a small lead and teams are throwing on you, can you generate consistent pressure without Rashawn Gary? They've had a lot of guys step up, Justin Hollins, Kingsley Anubari, a lot of young players. But I'm not sure if that is going to carry over the postseason, and that's where I have the most concern for Green Bay. The uh, San Francisco 49ers with Brock Purdy, they first and foremost, they're a scoring team. I mean, when you you just you don't think of Brock Purdy and that offense as being one of the top scoring teams, but they are. They're in top ten there. Uh, obviously, one of the top defenses. 
uh, how, uh, I, I guess, how aware should we be of San Francisco? Because we talk a lot about the Eagles, and you had mentioned, here comes the injuries. We talk a lot about Dallas and Dak Prescott and all the weapons they have and what they can do. Nobody's really kind of mentioning San Francisco because they were an oh, by the way, for much of the season. Now they position themselves to be one of the top teams in the NFC. How dangerous is San Francisco? As dangerous as anybody else, right? And, and I wish they had, you know, if they had Jimmy Garoppolo, they'd be my favorite in the NFC. They still probably are. And I'm not a huge Garoppolo guy. It's more just, you know, the experience and, and being there and playing a lot of these games. You know, even through a touchdown pass and had multiple interceptions in his first two playoff games last year. So you look at that and say they still made the NFC Championship game. Brock Purdy takes some risks, throws down the field more. Of course, there's, you know, the good and the bad that comes from that. But, when you're that dominant in the trenches on both sides of the football, you know, we are in a new era. We love debates like Penny Sewell versus Jamar Chase. And obviously, Jamar Chase goes into Cincinnati, makes the Super Bowl as a rookie. But when you are this dominant up front, some of those fun gadgets on the outside don't really matter as much um, when it's just you're this physical. And I think they can, they can make the Super Bowl, even with Brock Purdy, as crazy as that may sound. The uh, the AFC, uh, we don't know. Uh, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. I With Buffalo going home, they're not going to turn around and play this thing tonight. Uh, I, I don't know how they're going to do this, or maybe they call it a tie. Maybe they just leave seating fall the way it is and get teams ready for this weekend. I don't know, but give me your thoughts regarding the AFC. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing is, I, you know, we have no clue. It obviously was a huge game in its own right. It obviously, so we don't, they're not going to reschedule Buffalo's home now, or at least not reschedule this week. But Cincinnati going into, you know, a matchup with the Baltimore Ravens that in theory could determine the AFC North. Um, and, you know, however they sort it out, end of the day, by far the better conference. I think those top three teams, the Chiefs, Bills, and Bengals, are arguably the best teams in the NFL. Um, if you look at both conferences across the board, and I, you know, I still include Philly and Dallas and, and San Francisco in that conversation. You know, we haven't seen the buy matter yet. Still early in this playoff structure, but with the one team having the buy, obviously last year Tennessee lost in the divisional round to the Cincinnati Bengals, who went on to make the Super Bowl. The LA Rams from Wild Card make a Super Bowl. So it's kind of changed the entire dynamic and, and made the playoffs. You know, back in the day, if you weren't a one or two seed, like you probably weren't making the big dance. So we'll see how it all shakes out. You know, again, that's obviously, you know, we'll see how they sort of the logistics there. But end of the day, that AFC playoff picture with teams like the Chargers surging now as well, those games are going to be incredible on that side of the, the playoff picture. Talking with Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus. You can find him at PFF underscore Brad and at OverTheCap.com. Justin Fields is 67 yards away from breaking Lamar Jackson's rushing record. In a season in which the Bears have lost nine in a row, is I mean I mean I guess any record is a good record, short of a negative record. But you know, are are the are the Chicago Bears doing the right thing by allowing this guy to run all over and risk himself when they believe he's they've got a franchise quarterback that just needs pieces around him in a season right now, specifically a start coming up this weekend that is somewhat meaningless. You know, that is his game. That's how he wins. They want to get him experience. If that's what he's going to do, a lot of it is scrambles, right? So you can't really take that out of your player's game. Yes, there are design runs. They've been doing a lot of more, um, you know, intentionally moving the football with his legs. But this Sunday is interesting. I mean, he took a ton of shots in that Detroit game, both when he was dropping back and, of course, when he was running the football. A lot of big hits. They're working on his hamstring on the sideline. He looked banged up, looked kind of 
defeated at the end of it. And I think, you know, I, I made the argument you've got to let him get this experience, grow as a passer, grow as a player. But now this week, when you have no receivers around you, you have an awful offensive line, you have injuries everywhere. Like you said, the game's only meaningless. It actually is meaningful that they lose and secure the number two overall pick. Uh, do not let teams like, well, Denver, which I guess would go to Seattle, but Denver um, or Arizona surpass you because they both would jump Chicago if they had the same record based on strength of schedule. So long answer short, that is Fields' game. You, you kind of have to let him do that to a degree. It would be cool to see him break the record, but I think there is a legitimate chance they sit him out in this game. Head coach Meddy Recluse's tone changed dramatically um, from Sunday to Monday, kind of saying, hey, we're going to talk with the front office. We're going to figure it out. Maybe he's in his best interest to sit on the sideline, and I wouldn't be shocked if that is the ultimate determination. Uh, I do want to go uh, stay on the NFC for a minute. Uh, you look at the bottom of this, New York, Dallas, you talk about a lot of the teams and a lot of the matchups. Uh, but Minnesota, I, I cannot get past the fact that when you look at the standings, that they are a division leader with a negative point differential. I, they're a negative 19. Everybody's been saying this is a paper tiger at best. Is that the belief in pro football focus that just analytically their just defense cannot hold up to what everybody else is going to offer and the fact that in big moments, in big games, and anything that's out of the noon time slot, Kirk Cousins seems to fold under that particular pressure with only one postseason win to his name? Yeah, so the underlying data, ignoring the, you know, the Kirk Cousins primetime stuff, but uh, yes, they're not as good as their record. You look at any way you want to break down data, there's Pythagorean win total, there's all sorts of different ways to look at it, and they're just not as good as their record. The one-score wins, going 11-0 in one-score games, is something literally we may never see ever again. Like That's how insane it is to have played in that many games that are one score and to win that many games that are one score. It is the single biggest sign of regression that we have in all of NFL football. So, and then, yeah, their defense is a bottom five defense in the NFL with injuries. Now it arguably might be the worst defense in the NFL. They're eight straight games now allowing opponents to score 20 plus points, an average of 32 points per game allowed over their last eight contests. That's just not going to win you a playoff game. Uh, before I let you go, I also wanted to ask you again, uh, going back to Philadelphia. Now, we know uh, you know, Jalen Hurts is a guy with the shoulder issue right now. It's his throwing shoulder. Uh, they're going to bring it. But how, with all the injuries they sustained, and, and when we talk about a 13-3 and record in the top seed, and most likely you would assume they will get the win this weekend. But then again, you never know. But is Philadelphia, because uh, a couple of weeks ago everybody said Philadelphia was the team to beat, that they're the strongest, they should be the Super Bowl favorite going in. With a 127, uh, you know, point differential and such, is the, is, does Philadelphia have the capability to kind of put it back together here in the next two weeks, get that by, and then really be that strong team in the NFC? Or is this just too many injuries too late in the season uh, that they can't overcome? It is concerning. There are a bunch. Vontae Maddox, our slot corner, who's played well. Lane Johnson, maybe the best right tackle in the NFL who will return after rehab. We have a, a doctor at uh, PFF, Mario Palazzo, who puts out great stuff on Twitter, basically talking about how he will return and play, but it, it's going to be very painful. He's going to be on a lot of medications and trying to play through the you know, the core muscle injury, and it could impact his, his mobility and, and kind of what he does. So they can pull through. They can figure this out. You get Jalen Hurts healthy, maybe get him some reps this weekend so he's not, you know, what, a full month off, including that first-round bye if they do get it which they should. They're lucky the Giants have nothing to play for. So I think that they should benefit from that. But 
You know, I, I wouldn't call him a favorite. I, I think the AFC team is the favorite. <laughs> Whatever AFC team makes it through. The Eagles, they're a good team. Their defense is, is concerning as well. Even beyond the injuries, you can always run on them. Jordan Davis' return does help against the run, but they're susceptible to certain spots. They've had injuries to the safeties now as well, with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson missing time. Um, like I said, I, you know, no one is bulletproof in the NFC. I wouldn't be surprised if any of the NFC teams, maybe not uh, the seventh seed or, or the New York Giants, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the top five seeds make it, make it all the way through. Always a pleasure, Brad. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk once the, uh, the postseason gets underway too, okay? Sounds great. Thank you. Appreciate it, bud. Talk to you soon. There you go. That is uh, Brad Spielberger, and he is joining us from New York, where he is based, and uh, part of Pro Football Focus's coverage at PFF underscore Brad, and you can find him at overthecap.com as well. He does a lot with uh, with capology, so to speak, but Brad uh, Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus, joining us for a couple of minutes. Reminder coming up at the bottom of the hour, uh, Mo Egger is from ESPN Radio down in Cincinnati. He's going to give us a buzz, and uh, we'll talk with Mo about what uh, his thoughts were coming out of last night, being at Paul Brown Stadium, covering this story from the pregame tailgate celebration. They had a charitable event going on over at Longworth Hall, which is just down the street from Paul Brown Stadium, that they kind of set aside for the Bills fans and Bills Mafia when Joe Burrow and company did some things for the Bills charities and back and forth. And then obviously all of this happens last night. And so he's going to give us a perspective for all of it. Uh, from what went on yesterday and his uh, from through his eyes, so to speak. We'll get into that coming up here shortly. 877-867-1670. If you want to join us, please feel free to go ahead and do so. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Social House, H-A-U-S. It's over there on Lisbon Road in Menominee Falls. And uh, the beautiful expansion's done. We've talked about that. They had a really successful New Year's. And now it's on to 2023. And they have golf leagues that are going to be forming coming up in the spring. They have many different things that go on over there, including music. Uh, in-house music and such, and if you're just looking for good food. By the way, the home of the cheese curd burger, the original cheese curd burger. That's our friends over there at the Social House. And don't forget, you go in there on Sundays, you get yourself a uh, a mixed beverage, wink, wink, and uh, free pancakes are sure to follow on Sunday morning. It's great, great place to go. Really, the the really kind people. Uh, we're so blessed that we work with so many great people, not only as friends, but as sponsors on this program. So I encourage you, uh, head on over to the social house, H-A-U-S, as well. Stay tuned. A whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Hey, our friends at Potawatomi Hotel Casino. It is 2023. They had a terrific New Year's Eve party. And uh, it's a new season. Bingo is back. Slots are good. Performances in the Northern Lights Theater are going to be flowing again this year. And if you're looking for a great place to go, a night out, an evening in Milwaukee, uh, that is Potawatomi Hotel Casino. Go to PaysBig.com. That is PaysBig.com. Dot com for all the information, make reservations, and see everything that they have to offer, including the fantastic restaurants inside Potawatomi Hotel Casino. I, I wanted to take a minute. Uh, we and Coming up at the bottom of the hour, Mo Ager of ESPN Radio in Cincinnati is going to be joining us. We'll talk with Mo uh, about what uh, what his thoughts, feelings, and, and were last night and what he witnessed himself. Uh, but one of the things, I thought this was really interesting. Andrew Brandt put this out. 
Uh, he said, we've learned that Hamlin was in cardiac arrest on the field. Medical personnel were able to restart his heart. And obviously we, we, we hope, we pray. I think we all mean it when we say our prayers are with this young man and the Buffalo Bills and obviously T. Higgins, who, you know, was interactive in that hit last night. Um, and he was very distraught leaving with his mother last night, leaving the uh, stadium. Um, so, uh, but I wanted to I, I wanted to uh, read what Andrew Brandt finished up with. He said, "We hope and pray so much appreciation for a lot of these front frontline responders as well." He said, "In my experience, many of them are working overtime, or even they volunteer in their roles to be on site at many of these stadiums." Um, it, you know, it's it's true. Uh, we kind of take it for granted. We always see the medical staff standing there. And, um, you know, a gurney that's standing there just in case uh, they get a chance to hang out on the field, maybe grab a picture or whatever. But, uh, you know, you, you got to give it up to the first responders, man. They got out there quickly yesterday. Uh, and again, we're going to hear from Mo Egger coming up, but they got out there quickly. The assessment was done immediately. Uh, CPR was uh, started immediately. And they, uh, you know, what I can only assume, okay, I'm not going to state for a fact, but I can only assume the jersey was either cut or removed, the pads were cut or removed, and because they had to use the defibrillation paddles uh, to, you know, send the shock to, you know, restart the heart. And then once they got the heart going again, the oxygen flowing, um, they got him loaded up and on the way. Uh, once they started getting vital signs again. So a lot of credit to those first responders, the trainers, the doctors and such that were on the field yesterday as well, and that are in all stadiums. It's not just the NFL. I mean, you see it, you know, you see it in the Pfizer Forum. You see it at Miller Park. You, you know, you see it all over. Uh, out at Camp Randall, obviously in the Kohl Center, they're, they're all over. And uh, so you always are aware that they're there. You hope they are never needed. Uh, but uh, it's it's the the work they did was was fantastic, and they need to be commended for that. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. By the way, uh, this is something that's uh, a little interesting regarding the game coming up on Sunday night. Did you know that the Detroit Lions every game they have played this season was a noon game? It's the first time they're going to play a game outside of the noon timeline all season long, and they're going to finish their season as the highlighted game to to end the season, uh, to end the regular season with the uh, Green Bay Packers on Sunday night. Ben, did you know that? That, that cannot be true, really? Uh, that's what it was. That's what was stated. Huh. Yeah. It that's, was. That's I, I mean, stated. it was odd, but not shocking to see that news yesterday that yeah. they put the Packers on Sunday, even given the Seattle yeah. context. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was uh I thought it was a little little weird. But because yeah, right, because we had talked about that that they didn't want a game that may or may not a team playing that may or may not have ramifications in that game to be uh, on the field. They want to make sure that whatever team is is playing has something to play for and that both teams are going at it 100% competitively and that there is this there's this drama to the game that is winning you're in or not or seating or what have you, uh, but they, uh, the Packers, and this is just what I was told, and I, I've always known this, 
The Packers are such a huge draw. Rodgers is such a huge follow. And anything the Packers do are a huge story. And the fact that they have now won four straight, the fact that they have put themselves in position to get into the postseason uh, is nothing short of amazing in many eyes. You got the Lions who won last week, the Packers who have now won four straight. It is a tremendous matchup. So now you just kind of you kind of wait and see, and, and as to whether or not uh, you know, um, you know, Packers get in. But uh, that San Francisco or the uh, uh, Seattle game could have ramifications on the Detroit Lions as well. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, if we we all watched last night as uh, Demar Hamlin lay motionless on the turf at Paul Brown Stadium and was resuscitated and then taken to a hospital to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Uh, Mo Ager from ESPN Radio was there uh, from the pregame and all the anticipation leading up to that game, to the Bengals' first score, and then to what ensued after that and the surreal moments that have taken place since. Uh, we're going to hear his perspective when we come back. Hang in there. A lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Yeah, Bill Michael Show. Continuing on, and uh, as we know, last night, a, uh, a very surreal night down in Cincinnati at Paul Brown Stadium as to what uh, the, the world, uh, the sports world, witnessed with DeMar Hamlin collapsing on, on the turf. Uh, I was following this guy, our next guest, Mo Egger from ESPN Radio in Cincinnati. Uh, Mo, I, first of all, thanks for joining us, but I was following you last night. I saw the pregame and everything going on at the, the Holy Grail last night, and I was excited because I know my buddy Jimmy Mooring owns it, and I, I'm just so happy for him, and, and it was such an incredible atmosphere, and I was so looking forward to the game last night. And, man, uh, just give me your perspective from the hype, the buildup, to what we witnessed, to where we are, and all the emotions you went through being there last night. Yeah, you know what I, I keep thinking about the vibe before the game. I mean, this was you know first of all the temperatures were in the the low 60s on January 2nd, so you had great weather, a huge game, right? The, the sort of regular season game that for years we were hoping the Bengals could play in. You have this awesome Monday night football matchup with these two star quarterbacks, two teams coming in red hot. And a game with all sorts of playoff implications, but but really didn't have the playoff consequences, right? I, usually before a playoff game, there's there's a degree of anxiety. If they lose, the season's over. Then what happens? With this game, it was, you know what? There's a lot of upside if they win, and if they don't, uh, we'll just come back next week and they'll play the Baltimore Ravens for the AFC North title. It was, I mean, I we did our show from the Holy Grail, which for folks who don't know is maybe four blocks, five blocks away from Paycor Stadium. And we did our show from three to five and I hung out for a bit afterward. And I just, I took in the scene, lots of Bill fans, lots of Bengals fans. And it was just festive. It was, it was awesome. I, I had the same vibe I did when the all-star game was here in 2015 to go from that to standing in a full, but silent stadium. And then, you know, a little while later walking out of that stadium 
where confusion reigned, sadness reigned, uh, questions certainly reigned. I'll never forget that. And, and I, I keep thinking about just how things flipped instantaneously from where things were yesterday afternoon and early evening here to what we all tried to go to bed thinking about last night. And that was obviously a, a very young man in the prime of his life fighting for his life. And, and uh, hopefully there's a, an, an outcome that, that, that we're all looking for. But, yeah, just how things turn so suddenly is something that I'll, I'll never forget. There was, uh, I had a friend of mine, and I. it's amazing because I, I got so many friends that were actually at the game last night that was down at Longworth Hall. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Longworth Hall in the parking area down there was set up basically for Bill's Mafia. Uh, and they were doing, the, uh, through some charity event or something to that effect or something like that. So there was, while the Bills fans were there to see the Bills win, there was a lot of camaraderie between fans for some of the things charitable-wise that they have done for one another. Yeah, you know, I mean, first of all, the, we're talking about two franchises who have put their fans through a lot, right? So I think there's the commonality of, God, if, if if it's not the Bengals, then we hope it's the Bills because, you know, that is a franchise that's never won a Super Bowl. The Bengals have never won a Super Bowl. Both, you know, drag their fans through long periods of not making the postseason. Then you add to it, you know, the game a few years ago where Andy Dalton beats the Baltimore Ravens. It lifts the Bengal or the Bills into the postseason for the first time in forever, and Bills fans flooded Andy Dalton's charity with donations, uh, which was really, really cool. Um, and so there's there's been this sort of commonality between the two fan bases, and, and there were a lot of Bills fans in and around the area last night, but everybody was getting along. Everybody was having a lot of fun. Um, you know, there was a sense of, we might play you guys again in a few weeks, right? And, and that'll be awesome. Uh, and there was a sense of, well, if it's not us, we hope it's you and not Kansas City and not the Chargers and not the Ravens. So there was all of that. And then I think the very shared experience of just from a human perspective, did we just witness something tragic? What did we witness? What's the outcome going to be? And what's next? And and I, I'm not being very good at articulating what that was like last night, but yeah, I... It, it went from awesome, and I mean an awesome pregame vibe, an early game vibe, to something that uh, it, 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 remind, it reminded me, quite frankly, of when my dad passed away. I, I, and that's the only thing that I could equate it to, and I don't like equating things to that. Um, talking with Mo Wager of ESPN Radio in Cincinnati, he was in the stands last night at uh, Paul Brown Stadium. Um, I saw your perspective. If uh, if that was your picture, I was watching on, like I said, on Facebook and on Twitter and, and Instagram and mm-hmm. such. So you were just in the stands. You were you were down there on the sideline almost, but you were what ten, fifteen rows back. Yeah. So where we sit, uh, we sit on the the visitor sideline. Because it's the sun side. It's the sign that, that gets the most amount of sun, and you want that in Cincinnati in November and December and January. Obviously not a factor for a primetime game, but you're, we, we sit right behind the visitor's bench, five rows up. And I took a buddy of mine to the game last night. The guy, the guy that I usually attend with is on his honeymoon. So I took a friend of mine, and I said, you know, the cool thing about where I sit is sometimes you can get caught up in what's happening on the sideline. So, for instance, when Ben Roethlisberger is yelling at Mike Tomlin, I watch that, or – when Adam Gase ignores his team on defense when he was coaching the Jets, you, you kind of get caught up in watching a lot of that stuff, and it's pretty cool. So last night, the the instant cue that we had 
that something was dramatically amiss was watching Bill's players walk away from what was happening to DeMar Hamlin and walking away from the little huddle they had. And you could see those players were extremely emotional. There were guys crying. Uh, there were players consoling each other. And, I mean, you've, you've seen a lot of football injuries. There's always mm-hmm. some dimension of that if there's, you know, a severe lower body injury or if there's, a, if there's head trauma, if there's a neck injury, right? I mean, there's, there's you always, guys take a knee, guys console each other. You could tell this was different. Um, and, and having no real idea what was going on because of the, the number of players that just surrounded the medical personnel as they worked on uh, DeMar Hamlin, we didn't have any specifics. But then folks who are watching on TV start texting you, here's what's going on. They're administering CPR. Here's what the announcers are saying. Uh, the ambulance comes charging out onto the field. It, 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 it was abundantly clear from the get-go um, that, number one, something tragic was unfolding in front of us, and number two, uh, the, the the football portion of the evening had concluded. They were not going to resume that game. But watching the Bills players, watching Sean McDermott, watching everybody connected to that team console each other, show a grave amount of concern, and visibly, I think, try to process not only what was happening, but what might have to happen next, um, those were very, very striking images last night. So, and I put this out there last evening for those that don't know uh, where DeMar Hamlin was taken to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. It, it's, it really is one of the top, tra- top trauma centers around. And so it's great to have that facility in that city and for him to be so close to that. Now, I don't know if you've been there or haven't been there. I would assume that WLW and ESPN Radio both have boots on the ground there. What is that video, What has that been like? Uh, because it, you go from a sports reporter to almost a news gatherer almost immediately. Yeah, you know, it, uh, it, it's, it's put a lot of broadcasters to the test, and most that I've seen have passed with, with flying colors. But um, first of all, you're right about the University of Cincinnati a Trauma Center. Um, if, if you are unfortunate enough to go through something life-threatening, um, there aren't many better places to be taken to than the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. I, I thought the really touching thing last night was seeing the images of Bengals and Bills fans who just went there. And, and, and you know, in, in, in moments like that, there's, there's often just helplessness, right? Like, you want to do something, but what can you do? And so... A lot of folks just held vigil uh, outside the U, uh, UC Medical Center. Zach Taylor went there last night, the coach of the Bengals, Stephon Diggs, who's uh, apparently very close to DeMar Hamlin, uh, talked his way into the hospital. I think the, the real, I hate to say cool part about this, but something cool that has happened is uh, DeMar Hamlin started a toy drive when he was at uh, Pitt, when he was at uh, a college football player. And, you know, he raised a few thousand dollars and he, he bought toys for underprivileged kids. That GoFundMe uh, was still active. And as you and I talk right now, I think they've raised close to $4 million. The people have just thrown yeah. money at it. Um, that's the good part of all this. I hate that it brings it takes tragedy to, to make people do nice things. But I think there was a sense of helplessness last night. Some people channeled that by going to the hospital. Some people channeled that by... Uh, donating to a toy drive, which is going to benefit a lot of people, and I think that's cool. I just I pray that uh, 
Damar Hamlin is is with us to to figure out where that money ultimately is going to go, I guess. Do we have any word as to when or if the University of Cincinnati will have any kind of a presser, or is this strictly going to be details released through the Buffalo Bills or DeMar Hamlin's family? Well, DeMar Hamlin's family, I think about 45 minutes ago, released a statement, and it didn't really provide much in the way of information. It was just mm-hmm. one expressing gratitude uh, to the folks who had worked on DeMar, to the the, 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 the people at the, the hospital, to the folks at Paycor Stadium, to the Bengals, to the, to the people in the Bills organization. Uh, in terms of a specific medical update, uh, as you and I talk right now, last night, late last night, the, uh, the hospital said they were going to make no statements and didn't say when they would. So we're, we're all sort of uh, hanging in limbo here. I will choose not to speculate as to, to what us hanging in limbo is, is going to mean. Uh, but as of right now, there has been no announcement of any kind of planned statement. And, uh, you know, folks can, can do with that information what they what they choose. Mo, it's always uh, good to talk to you. I wish you talking under better circumstances, but a hell of a job. Uh, thanks for joining us on a moment's notice. But uh, a great perspective from, uh, from you through your eyes, man. I appreciate it. You got it, Bill. Thanks. There you go. Mo Egger uh, of ESPN Radio. Um, he was there, and I, I wanted to have him on because he, as I had mentioned, uh, there's the place called the Holy Grail, which is, as he said, like four, three, four blocks from Paul Brown Stadium. I mean, literally out of the front door, you can see Paul Brown Stadium. It's right there. Uh, that's where they do the, the pregame show uh, on the Bengals radio network. And then he has season tickets. And so he's actually in the stands, but his perspective was from the Bills' sideline. And he, 15, 20 rows up maybe, I don't know, you can follow him at Mo Egger over on, on Twitter and you can go back through his timeline and see the picture at the beginning of the game. He, it, what, he said, what a great atmosphere, great setting for tonight's matchup or something to that effect. But, and, and then from that, and I see uh, him and a few others that had posted some video walking out of Paul Brown Stadium last night and with literally hundreds of fans around them not a word not a word is being spoken there there's there's no there's nothing it's just people just as if they're just in shock as to what they just witnessed so hopefully you know you continue to pray DeMar Hamlin comes through and just gains his life back uh how he then lives it after that if he's able to ever come back and play football again or or just live his life and achieve whatever goals he sets you you certainly hope that this young man is 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 going to be okay uh let's do this we're going to step away we're going to take a quick break we'll come back we got a lot more of the bill michael show right after this covering wisconsin sports like a blanket this is the bill michael show on the wisconsin sports zone radio network now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers getting ready for their final game of the regular season against the Detroit Lions. If Green Bay wins, they'll secure a wild card spot in the playoffs. The Packers 38-year-old Mason Crosby talked about that 56-yarder he bounced off the crossbar. Just before the half Sunday against Minnesota, was the backspin like a shooter's role in basketball? I wish I could say that. <laughs> I wish, like, yeah, I just, you know, I made sure to have a little bit of, you know, a soft landing, so if it hit that, but uh, you know, I think it was just one of those where it was like kind of the, the max distance, and um, you know, fortunately it came down in the right way on the post. So uh, you know, it just landed 
I guess square, uh, you know, with the momentum going going forward, and um, you know, we're able to you know get it to go the, the right direction. The Lions come into the game this week with a record of eight and eight, and the first chance since 2011 to reach the playoffs. Lions quarterback Jared Goff. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. It's huge. Uh, you know, not every team players, young guys get the opportunity to play in games like this. I mean, there's a b- bunch of guys here who have, for the first half of their career, have not had that chance to play in a game in January that means something. And, um, you know, we're going to get that chance next week. And whether it gets us in or not, it's not up to us. But, you know, going in there, trying to win and, and see, where, see where everything falls at the end. The game scheduled for this Sunday night, 7-20 on NBC. Matt LaFleur asked if he would have preferred an earlier start time. It really doesn't matter, but I do think the environment in Lambeau Field at nighttime is unlike any other place. So hopefully our fans show up and show out for us and support us and don't sell your tickets to the Lions fans, please. As Packers head coach Matt LaFleur in Green Bay, I'm Mike Clemens on the Bill Michaels Show. Mind you, if you are looking for an escape, a getaway, a great place up north in the Muscano Island is Four Seasons Island Resort. And not only is it a a, a fun place to just get away, but uh, it's also sitting on the island. And when they have snow and the trails are open, you can bring your sled with you. And... And you can enjoy your time there. You can uh, get out on the trails. You can head into the UP. You can go skiing at their sister resort. You can sit in the pool and watch the snow fall. You can sit in the sauna, the hot tub. You can go downstairs to the Boundary Water Sports Bar and Grill and get yourself a bite to eat, watch a game, have a beverage, karaoke, listen to some music. I mean, I can go on and on. It's a terrific place. They have uh, some different events going on. Find it, the Four Seasons Island Resort over on Facebook as well. But get a hold of our girl Barb because for people that listen to this program, B-A-R-B, Barb at TheFourSeasonsWisconsin.com. But because you listen to this program, you let them know, Bill Michaels 15, Bill Michaels 15, you automatically get 15% off. Tell them we sent you 715-324-5800, 715-324-5800, and get a hold of Barb uh, over at the Four Seasons Island Resort and just say, I heard it on Bill Michaels' show, you get 15% off your stay. Good stuff from the Four Seasons Island Resort. Uh, let's get to the, coming up after the top of the hour, by the way, Andy Herman, the pack a day podcast. Uh, we're going to, we're going to hear from him. Uh, but want to get back to the phone calls. Let's go to, uh, let's go to, uh, Tyler from Buffalo. Tyler, how you doing, man? What's going on? Doing good, Bill. How's it going? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay today. Uh, that's good. Obviously, I just want to say, obviously everyone's Buffalo's taken a couple of haymakers within the past couple of weeks. We had the, big blizzard that killed over 40 people yeah. and then now we got this to deal with so it's it's been a rough couple of weeks down here so obviously we just we always talk about football being a violent game i feel like not that it gets thrown around too loosely but it really puts it into perspective when you see something like that what happened last night i really if that doesn't shake you to your core then i don't know what will right yep and then Obviously, I wanted to say something about the Packers here real quick, but obviously you sure. wanted to get that out there first. Now, do you think having Devontae Wyatt out there has really shored up this run defense that much to where and before it was it was like a sieve 
and teams could run for nine, ten yards a game, or t- nine or ten yards a rush. And ever since, like, the second quarter against the Dolphins these past two games, it's been completely different. The, the run fits have been better. People are filling their gaps. Like, it's, is it the scheme? Is it the player? Like, is it just a two-game sample size? Uh, I think it's a little bit of, uh, and, and you know, I, I understand where you're going with Devontae Wyatt, but when you look at Jerron Reed has played better. I mean, you could pretty much look at the front has played better. The fact that, that you know, uh, Quay Walker has also played better against the run. Not great, but played better. T.J. Slayton has also been a force up front, and the rotation between him and, uh, and, and, uh, and Kenny Clark and Devontae Wyatt, it, that's been really, really good. And uh, I don't I don't know how to explain it. I what I would like to say is that it's a different level of intensity that they're bringing right now. It's a different level of energy that they're bringing right now. There's an, a legitimate hope that they have right now, and I think that's part of the reason. It's been the uh, the focus uh, to attention to detail. And as Mike Clemens had caught after the game, that uh, talking to some of the guys in the defensive backfield, you know, one of the guys said to Mike, you know, hey, we're on the same page now where maybe before guys were freelancing and things you were, you know, you're trying to cover for the guy next to you, you're trying to kind of do too much. Now everybody's kind of bought in, everybody's doing their job, and it's it just when you do your job and you win your battle, you you can win as a group, and, and that seems to be also what it is they're doing right now. So I appreciate the phone call, and, and you're right, man. Best of luck to everybody up in Buffalo. They've... um not only did they have, and everybody across the country had the, the deep freeze, but they had back-to-back blizzards, man, of just epic proportions. And then, obviously, if you are uh, you know part of the Bills fans, uh, you watched and witnessed last night, and you know it's 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 been a <laughs> you know it's been tough. I completely agree with you. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Yeah, uh, he brings up a really good point. I mean, the run game has the the, the run g- defense has been better, and Devontae Wyatt has shown flashes, and uh, more so than anything, I think T.J. Slayton has shown really good flashes as well. Uh, but Devondre Campbell has stepped up. Uh, Quay Walker has stepped up. T.J. Slayton though, T.J. Slayton had a tackle for loss, had a couple of balls batted down, had four tackles up front. I mean, that's saying something, man. Kenny Clark, same thing, four tackles up front. You know, I mean, Jerron Reed had a couple and a couple of pressures as well uh, and two quarterback hurries. It just, you know, it's it's up front was winning battles against that offensive line of the Minnesota Vikings. Andy Herman of the Pack of Day podcast is going to join us when we come back. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Quick Trip. Stopped in today real quick, went up this morning, pardon the pun, went up this morning and uh, grabbed a couple of things, uh, needed some eggs, and I uh, was out of milk. So I ran up real fast this morning, trying to eat a little bit healthier, and uh, ran in there, used my quick rewards card. They said, congratulations, you have so many visits. You got a free sandwich if you wanted. I didn't take it today, but it's nice to know it's there. It's awesome, man. It's awesome. And they're always, uh, you know, greeting you and it can't can't wait to see you again. Come on back. That's our friends at Quick Trip. Great people, great place, and it's great the fact that it's based right here in Wisconsin. Stay tuned. We got more coming up right after this. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.